you're considering pregnancy, an expectant parent who planned their pregnancy, had an uh-oh moment and found yourself unexpectedly expecting or knee-deep in parenting, this podcast is here to support you every step of the way. Hello, I'm your host, Kimberly Myers, and welcome to For the Love of Parenting podcast, covering topics from pre-baby readiness, pregnancy, childbirth preparation, the exploration of breastfeeding, navigating early parenthood stages, and beyond. This podcast explores the joys, obstacles, and more while providing guidance, insight, and relatable, honest conversation about the roller coaster journey of parenthood. Welcome to my podcast. Well, hello. Um, For my love of parenting podcasters, I am super excited to welcome my first guest to my podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Kelly Durbin. Kelly is an international board certified lactation consultant, IBCLC, childbirth educator, author, and volunteer breastfeeding counselor. Her breastfeeding research is published In numerous top-ranked international journals, Kelly is passionate about prenatal education and lactation support. She teaches birth and breastfeeding classes in Phoenix, Arizona, where she lives with her husband and two daughters. Kelly has written a wonderful book titled Protecting Your Potential for Breastfeeding. Kelly, thank you for joining me today and welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yes. And so let me start by saying that I purchased your book from Amazon and I was blown away by all of the wonderful information. I particularly like how you set up this book and the information contained um, within your introduction called The Lactation Puzzle. So I'm just going to read just a little bit about it. Um, So it opens up by saying that many people believe that because breastfeeding is natural, it should be easy. After all, the human body grows a baby with relative ease following conception. So how hard could it be to make milk? The answer for many people is it depends. For some people, it can be easy, but for others, making human milk can be challenging because there are, in modern world, many factors that must align properly to developing and maintaining the milk supply and infant feeding relationship. So it goes on to say much, much more. And I think one of the things that I really wanted to highlight about uh, the introduction and the lactation puzzle is where it talks about how um, birth can actually play a role in um, breastfeeding. And so some of the aspects that Kelly goes over is um, in the context of birth, the factors that negatively impact lactation are often perceived through the lens of managed care and um, routine birth intervention. So I thought today we would talk a little bit about um, induction because that seems to be happening so often with moms and then also maybe wrap it up with a little bit of skin to skin. So I did have some questions um, about induction. So maybe we should just start off by defining what is induction of labor and why is it used? Okay, so induction of labor is artificially starting labor before labor gets a chance to start on its own. And this is used for a variety of reasons, but usually the reasons are 
the perceived benefit that it will have for maternal health or for infant health. Meaning um, for some reason, there's a medical need for inducing labor and getting it going ahead of schedule or not waiting for it to start on its own. Right. And, you know, I've noticed that a lot of moms are being induced now. And um, as I was sharing with Kelly earlier, I was talking with a, a nurse practitioner. Um, induction is happening a lot earlier for a lot of different reasons. Um, so have you found that to be the case too, Kelly? Well, I'll tell you what is shocking, Kimberly. In 1989, the induction of labor rate was 9%. In 2020, it was 31%. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yes, it has increased dramatically. And I think that there are multiple factors that are pushing people into labor induction. And this can be the result of the perceived medical need. It can also be because there was a research study that came out in 2018 that basically says that the 39-week in induction is perfectly safe. And there's been some confusion about that study, and some people are really questioning the fact that um, maybe some of the data was manipulated or they didn't present it in exactly the right way. Perhaps the population that was used in the study doesn't really reflect the general population of everyone. So it may not be that the results apply widely. Wow, that, that is interesting gap, 9% to now 31%. That's a yes. huge difference, a huge gap. Yeah, I see it all the time with moms. Actually, I had um, a friend, a colleague of mine who said, well, I'm going in to have my baby evicted today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I thought, you know, that's kind of exactly what's happening. So... Can we talk a little bit about this relationship between labor induction and breastfeeding outcomes? What are you seeing? Yes. So in the research, there are multiple outcomes of labor induction. And as a childbirth educator, I'm sure that you have heard this multiple times, but this can be the first step on the cascade of inter interventions. Which means that labor induction can open the door for other interventions that people maybe didn't count on. So if the doctor says, you know, we want to induce, come in on Tuesday, you may be thinking, well, I'll go in, I'll be induced, and I'll have the birth that I want. But sometimes that doesn't unfold in that way because induction may not go well. It may result in... Um, the need for epidural, for IV fluid, it may result in the need for a vacuum delivery or even lead to cesarean. And all of those things can impact lactation in a negative way. Yes. Yes, I will definitely agree. And another thing too that I've noticed with, um, you know, just moms going into labor, just giving, you know, that are pregnant, um, is the need for them to not find value in a childbirth class. I honestly feel like a childbirth class is something that can 
provide a lot of really good information just on what induction is, what interventions are, and how it can have a cascading effect. And then also providing just a little bit of information about that in relation to breastfeeding and having that breastfeeding plan and, you know, kind of moving forward with trying to get the kind of breastfeeding outcomes that um, moms are seeking, you know, which can be hard if things kind of go astray. Yes, absolutely. But before we dig into any of that, I do want to say anybody who goes in for an induction or has an, an impact from some other kind of birth intervention it's not the end of the world. We don't want to scare people into thinking like, oh, guess what? Lactation isn't going to work. Right. It it can work, but you may have a few little obstacles that you need to know how to navigate or to overcome to make sure that you are sticking to your breastfeeding goals and that you can do this. Right. Yeah. And I do think that that is where the education piece comes in, just understanding what is happening why it's happening, and then using um, that education to kind of move forward into breastfeeding. So it's almost like knowing, you know, what you're tackling so that you know how to proceed moving forward. Yes, absolutely. And for that purpose, I think childbirth education and lactation education, prenatal period are really, really valuable. Yeah, it's, it's very critical to have that knowledge and, um, you know, just make sure that you are taking those classes. And I like to stress that, too, because a lot of moms are um, are winging it. And I actually did a podcast. Just my last podcast was on why childbirth classes are important. And I must say, whenever I would teach a prenatal class, I would ask moms all the time, are you taking the childbirth class? And they would say to me, oh, no, I'm just going to wing it. Or I, I've been on Dr. Google and I'm like, you you really have to take the time to understand the process that is involved with just the stages of labor, understanding those interventions that can happen, even understanding pain management, epidural, if you're getting narcotics, you know, all of those things play a role. But like you said, Kelly, um, even if you have to walk down that road, it does not mean that's the end for you with breastfeeding. It does not have yes. to be. And I really um, liked in your book how you kind of set that up to say that you still have hope. And these are the steps that you can take to get there, um, to reach those breastfeeding outcomes that um, you're trying, that a mom is trying to achieve. Um, so in addition to that, can we talk a little bit about um, what happens after the induction and we're moving into, um, you know, the birth of the baby and then now we're moving into breastfeeding. What can moms do? I know after babies are born and, you know, most babies are placed skin to skin depending on the delivery. And in some cases, if moms have given been given a C-section, they still can do some C-section, excuse, excuse me, some skin to skin. Um, depending on what their healthcare provider will allow for them. But can we move into the benefits of skin to skin? What is skin to skin? How can that help a mom that may have gone through some type of intervention, such as an induction, et cetera? This is a fantastic question. So anybody, regardless of the type of birth that you've had, whether or not you perceive that you had some kind of 
downstream negative consequence of interventions, or maybe it was just a really long labor and you feel a little bit um, unsure of what to do next. Skin to Skin is a fantastic tool that parents can use in the immediate postpartum period. But just before this, we before we hit record, you and I were talking about how people don't often know how long to continue skin to skin and that it's, when do I use it? How long, how many minutes per day do, is it necessary? Should I do it again tomorrow? So in this instance, I would say, err on the side of more skin to skin than you think is necessary. So if you find that, that you can fit in 90 minutes a day and that's it, that's okay. But the more times you are able to sit with your baby skin to skin, the better. And I'll tell you why. Because infants get an incredible reset by sitting skin to skin with their parents. So in terms of infant health, it helps stabilize the baby's heart rate, blood pressure, breathing rate. It improves body temperature. It improves the infant's oxygen saturation, blood sugar levels, and their emotional state. And this is the, the thing that we can actually see. We don't see their blood sugar getting better because that's not something you... However, you can see their emotional state. So if they're crying and they're really disorganized and feeling insecure, you can place them skin to skin, cover up with the blanket so everybody's warm, and you can visually see them achieving a better emotional state. They will maybe stop crying. They can stop breathing so fast and you know showing these coping behaviors. It's a calming technique. It also provides great access for breastfeeding. Yes. <laughs> of course. So, but the other thing that we notice is that it can promote milk production. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why this happens is because when your baby is on top of your skin and you're trading signals through the skin, this helps maternal oxytocin levels. And that is something that is really beneficial for boosting breast milk production and the whole, all of the factors that lead into good breastfeeding and getting things established in the first few days and weeks. It also promotes infant weight gain, decreases crying episodes, and it can decrease the length of hospital stay for preemies, which is an incredible tool. Yes. Now, have you ever encountered like moms that because I do this, I encounter this all the time where I'll tell a mom, you know, skin to skin, try to do as much of it as you can. We And I go over the milk production and all of the things that you mentioned. Um, but then I get those one or two moms that are like, well, you know, I don't know if I want to do that because I'm afraid that my baby is going to be attached to me and won't let go. In an emotional way or just being needy? In a needy way, yes. Okay, so I have, in fact have had this conversation with a few people. And I think what we need to stress is that our job as parents in the beginning stages is to meet our baby's physical and emotional needs. 
And this position does all of that. So if you are meeting your infant's needs, you're setting your baby up to be more independent and secure in the future. So you, you're, you're not creating someone who is going to be too needy. I can see where someone might perceive that in the beginning, but frankly, ignoring an infant's needs would be way more detrimental down the line. Yes. Yes. And I know I try to stress that a lot, you know, when I'm talking to the moms is that this is a time or a period, I always try to tell them that this is a period of relaxation, that you're that breastfeeding forces you to have to relax and spend yes. time yes. bond with your baby, you know, take these moments. And this is the time for you to heal. And your job is to block out trying to do any kind of chores around the house and let your support team do that, but really take the time and spend with your baby. Those oxytocin levels are just, you know, moving and you're feeling really good and the baby is feeling really good and you can focus a lot on breastfeeding. Yes, absolutely. The other thing that I want to mention in terms of um, benefits of skin to skin from maternal point of view is that this is a really incredible tool and it can increase a person's confidence in the, their own abilities to be a good parent and to do like, hey, I've got this amazing tool I can use. I can help my baby stabilize body systems. I can help my baby calm down. This is a good position for feeding and it helps them achieve good body temperatures, all sorts of things. So if you're practicing this, you would feel more confident in your parenting abilities. Exactly. And, and it's, uh, you know, as you said, it's a really good um, tool for feeding because a surefire way to know when baby's ready to eat is doing skin to skin. And if you're doing it a little bit after you have nursed and you put your baby skin to skin and baby wants more, baby will signal by turning to the breast or rooting to the breast. And it's just a good way to, to really, you know, get into breastfeeding. <laughs> Yes. This is really powerful information on skin to skin. And I think, you know, as we are kind of getting into the closing of the podcast today, um, is there anything that you'd like to share to kind of encourage moms as they may be getting the news from their um, healthcare provider that they may need an induction? And then what kind of steps they should take, you know, as they're moving forward? And then maybe address how they can, you know, get off to a really good start with breastfeeding. Okay. Okay. So if someone is looking down the path of potentially needing a labor induction, I would say do your research, really dig into the factors that your doctor has presented to you. Make sure that this is 100% medically necessary before you agree to it. You may just need more time. You know, it could be a few more days and, and that's okay. Unless you're having a high level medical problem. And, and in that case, this could be the right answer for you. Now, in terms of being prepared for lactation and getting things off on the right foot, I will say this. Childbirth education is really, really valuable. It benefits everyone who takes this class. But... Childbirth will last for one day. Lactation education, on the other hand, 
is something that you need because this is going to last days, months. It could go on for a year or two. You know, the recommendations are now 24 months from the American Academy of Pediatrics. So we know that people want to stick with this long term and they do it better when they have the skills and they have the knowledge, to, the preparation that goes into infant feeding. So I would say start by taking a prenatal lactation breastfeeding class. Agreed. <laughs> I think it's valuable to obtain the information, have a breastfeeding plan, make yes. sure that those that are providing care for you know of this plan, um, as well as your support team. They are there to rally around you and help you and be supportive to you. This has been really um, a great podcast with lots of valuable information for pregnant moms and moms that are um, breastfeeding. And I want to thank you so much, Kelly, for um, joining me today and just shedding some light on your book. Again, it's called Protecting Your Potential for Breastfeeding. Um, and I suggest that, you know, go out, pick it up and um, read the um, information on the introduction and then a lot of the really good information contained within the book. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kelly. And thank you podcast family. Goodbye. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. Remember, as parents, do your best. There are no perfect parents, but countless ways to be loving and supportive. Signing off from the Love of Parenting podcast. Until next time, take care.